Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Listeners, and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. This is your 10-minute mystery edition, a little slice of intrigue in the middle of your week. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with us as always, our storyteller and journalist, Paula Schleiss. Hi, everybody. On Sunday, we did an episode on a native of Newark, Ohio, Johnny Clem, that nine-year-old who ran away to become a Civil War drummer boy. We're going to stay in Newark for tonight's episode because we've got another native son, but one with a very different kind of story. This one became president of an African nation, which uh, might not be so out of place since Ohio is the birthplace of presidents. His name was Edward Roy. He was the son of freed slaves who worked hard, became prosperous, and were able to send Edward to college. Later in life, Edward moved to Liberia and became its fifth president. But it didn't go well. In a political coup, he was deposed, arrested, and then vanished, leaving behind theories that ranged from foul play to a drowning accident. So let me tell you about Edward whom the Ohio Historical Society has called the ninth and forgotten president from Ohio. Let's travel back a little bit before Edward's birth to 1810. That's when his parents, Nancy and John Roy, settled in Newark about eight years after the town was founded. Nancy and John were freed slaves who had moved there from Kentucky. They were descendants of an African tribe from eastern Nigeria. The hardworking and thrifty John Roy was a barber and part owner of a ferry on the Wabash River over in Indiana. He did so well, he was able to purchase some property on the south side of the town square. And on February 3rd, 1815, they began their family with the birth of Edward James Roy in a little house on what is now Mount Vernon Road. The Roys may have been doing well financially, but that didn't mean they didn't face the intense prejudice of their day. When Edward was still a boy, two of the three trustees of the town of Newark met privately, then issued an order that all Black residents had to leave within 24 hours. 
according to a modern historical account of this that was published in the Newark Advocate. A constable was sent out to the Black community to inform them they had to pack up and leave. A young Black boy ran to the home of the third trustee who hadn't been at that meeting, A.E. Elliott. And Mr. Elliott, his son, and the young Eddie Roy went to the square where a large crowd of both Black and white residents were assembled. The Black population was pleading not to be driven from their homes. The third trustee, Elliot, protested as well, saying the edict should be given more consideration. It was finally agreed to postpone the banishment, and it was never brought up again. But it no doubt must have left a mark on young and impressionable Edward Roy. In 1822, his father, John, moved to Illinois and left Edward and his mother in Newark. I'm presuming he died within a few years because by 1829, Edward had inherited all of his father's property and wealth. Edward obtained his education in the Newark Village schools, and at the age of 17, he was enrolled at Ohio University in Athens. He attended for three years. He supported himself, first as a barber, then by teaching school in Chillicothe, and then as a shopkeeper and sheep trader. In 1836, Edward moved to Terre Haute, Indiana, where he opened the city's largest barber shop with a 79-foot-high barber pole that he boasted was the tallest in the state. He also dealt in real estate. Four years later, his mom, Nancy, who was still in Newark, passed away. She was buried in the village's Sixth Street Cemetery. Without her to tie him here, Edward began to wonder if there were a better place for a black man to live, perhaps some foreign country where he wouldn't face daily prejudice. He thought about Haiti. He returned to Ohio and entered Oberlin College to study French. But he changed his mind. A movement by the American Colonization Society was helping to relocate blacks who wanted to return to Africa. They had already established a West Africa colony right on the Atlantic coast. In 1846, Edward set sail for that colony. The very next year, it became the independent country of Liberia. Edward settled in Monrovia, the country's capital. He already had a great head start. While most immigrants arrived with little or no capital, he reportedly had about $1,000 with him. He used it to begin a shipping business, shipping camwood, palm oil, sugar, coffee, and ivory to the United States and Britain, and he amassed a sizable fortune. He also published a newspaper, the Liberia Sentinel. When he returned to the United States for a visit, he was traveling on his own ship. According to research by Henry Robert Burke, on one trip back to Newark, Edward was entertained at a banquet for Thomas Ewan, the adoptive father of William Tecumseh Sherman. Back in Liberia, Edward was also pursuing a political career. He began with local offices, rose up to become Speaker of the House of Representatives, and then became Chief Justice of the country's Supreme Court. In 
1869, he was recognized as the richest man in Liberia, estimated to be worth $200,000. That would be the equivalent of about $4.5 million today. Edward also had his eyes on the ultimate political prize. He ran for the office of president three times, and in 1870, he was finally elected as the nominee of the True Whig Party. It was a hotly contested election. He defeated the incumbent, and it broke the long Republican Party domination of the country. There had been a decline in the national economy, and people were looking for new solutions. Maybe the country's richest man could offer some helpful business ideas. Edward Roy was Liberia's fifth president. It wasn't anything new for the country to have an American-born president. By now, more than 13,000 Black Americans had immigrated to the country. Edward's predecessors had been born in Virginia and Maryland. But they were of mixed race. Edward was the first pure-blooded Negro to hold the land's highest office. This put him in a fragile place from the start. In the capital city of Monrovia, the ruling class was light-skinned, and there was prejudice among darker-skinned citizens. A bigger problem, though, was that Edward had inherited a fiscal crisis, one he was about to make worse. Edward's progressive plans were going to cost a lot of money. He talked about a national banking system and better infrastructure, including new roads, railroads, and schools. He wanted to improve education for the indigenous people, have better relations with native peoples who were contiguous to Liberia, and form an alliance with interior tribes. To pay for all of this, Edward went to London to negotiate a loan. He succeeded, but the loan came with severe interest terms. And even worse, part of the deal included giving back to England some land that Liberia had bought. Although there is a discrepancy on this point, some say he did it without consulting the country's legislature. When he then charged some goods against the loan, the numbers looked crooked. Liberia was getting about $90,000 in cash, while bonds had been issued for 400000 People were convinced he was embezzling. He compounded this mistake by trying to extend his two-year presidential term to four years by presidential edict. It wasn't exactly a power grab. A constitutional amendment had changed the presidential term to four years, but because the Senate had never ratified that vote, it wasn't official yet. This all caused confusion and suspicion, and then an all-out insurrection. A group overpowered Roy at his home, seized his house, and imprisoned one of his sons. In October of 1871, Roy was deposed from office. The now ex-president was imprisoned and summoned to trial before the Supreme Court. But on the night of February the 11th, 1872, Roy 
at the age of 57, vanished. There were two dominant stories about what had happened. One account said he'd managed to escape that night and tried to reach an English steamer in the harbor. One version said he drowned attempting to ride the breakers in a native canoe. Another version said he tried to swim but was drowned. Another story said he was caught trying to steal away and a mob severely beat him, dragged him nude through the streets, and then hid the body. In either case, his body was never recovered. There is still debate over the question of whether Edward was a villain or a victim. The 19th president of Liberia, William Richard Tolbert Jr., shed a different kind of light on Edward Roy as someone who might have simply been ahead of his time. Roy's name was given to a ship, a town, several schools, and a building where his true Whig party once had its headquarters. Unfortunately, from 1989 to 2003, Liberia suffered a terrible civil war that devastated the entire city, including the building that had been named for him. Anyway, a big thank you to Michael Bonanno for suggesting this topic. I'm sure you've heard us mention him before. He administers the Facebook page, Too Late for Autographs, telling stories of famous dead Ohioans. So check that page out for more Ohio history. And that's it for our 10-minute mystery. We'll see you here Sunday for our next regular full-sized Ohio mystery episode. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week. May all of your mysteries have happy endings. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of the new Medal of Honor podcast from Evergreen Podcasts, brought to you in partnership with the National Medal of Honor Museum. In each three-minute episode, we'll learn about a different service member who distinguished him or herself through an act of valor. We'll include stories from the Civil War to Iraq and Afghanistan, and from all branches of the military. We'll talk about service members who were overlooked for the medal at first due to their race or religion, and about those who were celebrated at the time. We'll hear stories of soldiers like Audie Murphy, future Hollywood star who mounted a burning tank to hold off German infantry in World War II. And people like Dr. Mary Edwards Walker, a Civil War Army doctor and the only woman to receive the Medal of Honor so far. Learn about these heroes and more wherever you get your podcasts.